Find us on the web at mbradio.us. friends and family thank you guys so much for joining every day's a saturday with your host me myself and i brian roof hey guys it's wacky wednesdays this is a time where we go live and we have some fun with the hypothetical questions but first we're going to start off with a nonprofit organization and uh, highlight them but before we even get that far let's talk about a little bit what's gone on the past week on every day's a saturday if you guys haven't had the chance to check out the past episodes, we had uh, interview 32 drop on Monday. That was with Army National. This guy was in the Army, National Guard, Air Force, and he's a senior songwriter, Steve D. Wilson. That was a great one. You guys definitely not going to want to miss that. Go check that out. It is available on Spotify, Apple, uh, YouTube, all those places that play podcasts and all that stuff. Then we had interview 33 drop today. That was with USMC veteran and author Chris Whittemore. That one is a great one. He has a book out there called Terror to Triumph. It is an amazing book. You guys definitely going to want to go check it out. He recounts his experience while he's in the Marine Corps. He was in combat and how life has been since he's been out. And, uh, man, I'm telling you what. That was a great one, and uh, definitely want to go check those out. All right, before we get on to our guest, I do want to talk about something that I got in the mail today. I got a little goodie bag in the mail today, all right? This is a, a reward for basically calling in to MBR. I'm, uh, you know, I definitely call in to them every Friday morning as i'm sipping on my coffee and uh i'll call in and be a caller so i got a little special bag got myself a nice little hat and i do got questions for joel for sure uh because i had no clue that joel it looks like that's the olympics number 50 joel hunt sign right there wow that's quite awesome. I got my MBR all access pass. And look at this. Another a card signed by Joel. Check him out. I had no clue. No freaking clue that Joel uh was a skier, man. Like, gosh dang. I am impressed now. Joel, you never you kept that a secret, man. Nice little lanyard. Nice t-shirt out there. It's great t-shirts for Red Friday. Remember, everyone deployed. Nice freedom shirt. Awesome. Let's see, what uh, else goodies do we that, got? That red, that, that red shirt might not fit you, brother, but I thought you needed one mainly because of the back of the, the shirt, that poem. Yeah, I definitely, um, yeah, I do appreciate you thinking I was a little guy. You know, I'll do take that. You know, at one point in time, yeah, I could have fit in that. Um, probably around 10 years old. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just messing with you. Um, but I appreciate it. I love stickers. I definitely put them on 
already put the put one of them on my desktop keychain i mean what a cool little gift love the bag really appreciate it so hey you guys take the time call in you know and also there's a number you can call in right there if you guys want to uh, join in and say hello uh, but without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our guest, who is from Heroes Hope. Uh, they became a, a 501C here in uh, 2023 this year. They offer temporary housing to veterans that are at risk of becoming homeless or are currently homeless. Along with housing, they work with the veterans to assist in the following uh, accessing healthcare, mental health services, addiction counseling, and rehab services setting up VA benefits, resume and interview preparations, finding reliable transportation, reconnection with family and friends, financial planning, and more. Let's meet Sean. Hey, guys. I'm Sean. I'm the president and co-founder of Heroes oh, Hope. Well, I got it. Oh, I think we're playing tech. Hold on. I'll add him. Here we go. Sorry about that. What's up, Sean? Hey guys, I'm Sean. I'm the president and co-founder of Heroes Hope. Currently living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Serving What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, good. I think our sound delays a little there. Sorry about that. No worries. But hey, uh, let's uh, learn a little bit about Sean, man. I know you are uh, a United States Marine. Hoorah, brother. And uh, so wow. tell us about, you know, being a Marine and uh, where... What got you to be doing the Heroes for Hope? Uh, Heroes Hope. Yes, sir. For all the other Hollywood Marines out there, I was a Hollywood Marine right there alongside you. I spent eight years. Uh, got out in 2017. Uh, my last enlistment, I was serving as a recruiter up in Minneapolis. And so if there's anybody on this call that I put in the Marine Corps, you're welcome. And I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I After I got out of the Marine Corps, I worked for target for a little bit, just kind of figuring out what was up with me. And that's when I started my VA disability adventure. You know, I had four traumatic brain injuries on active duty, had brain surgery shortly after getting out of the military, uh, been hundred percent disabled in the VA system for about four and a half, five years now, uh, and went through the myriad of mental health services there and surgeries and the, the broad experience of the VA. Um, and I, I love the VA, but I would always be frustrated about something. You know, it's a big system. There's a lot of us being cared for. But the most frustrating part for me was I never seemed to connect with the counselors there. I seemed to connect better with other Marine buddies when I'd call them or other vets that I would meet just through work or whatever I was doing. And so a couple of years ago, uh, I started realizing that my stories, other veteran stories, too. You know, we all get injured through different things. Different things happen to us. But when we get out, we're in the same place, the VA's pipeline, trying to get taken care of and to bounce back and to jump back into what normal life is now, realizing that our version of normal now is so far away from what normal was when we were 18, 19, when we jumped in. And so we just started standing alongside other veterans, realizing that, man, a lot of veterans may never go back to a mental health counselor at the VA because they couldn't connect with them. They couldn't relate with them that moment when the VA counselor starts to share, Hey, I, I understand. I get it. I'm here for you. In the back of my mind, I was always saying you don't though, <clears throat> you know? And so we decided before we ever became a 501c3, we want to be a group of veterans that are just there to serve other veterans. Doesn't matter if they're army, air force, Marines, coast guard, <clears throat> you know, we've seen things that other people could only imagine and we can be the best resource for each other. So that's kind of how we started. Um, Right now, what we do, we, we became 501c3 officially in January. We try to help those veterans that are on the street, not be on the street anymore. Uh, I've spent hours and hours on the street just talking to vets and hearing how they got there. And for many of them, it wasn't really their fault. You know, we have issues with jobs, people being let go. We've got issues with sometimes it's addiction, you know, and I'll come back to that in a minute. But a lot of the times it's veterans doing the best they can and life just catches up with us. And so we realized that, man, no vet should be on the street after the things they experienced, after the things that we've done uh, and the, the connections we've made. And so we started asking, how can we work alongside other organizations to provide housing? And so in Tulsa right now, we are fundraising to build some tiny homes. We had a, a single story, one bedroom, ADA accessible 
housing unit, the plans were drawn up, uh, construction plans were drawn up, they were donated to us. And we've got some land here. So we're just fundraising to build. And the goal is man, every veteran we meet is going to have a place to live so that they can work alongside us for six months to a year. We can help them figure out jobs, transportation, reconnection with family. Um, and I'll tell a couple of stories here as we continue going on of people that we're getting to work with right now. Uh, but that's our long term goal is safe housing so that veterans have a space around other veterans to continue to pursue restoration and, and reconnection together. I love it, man, because, you know, in, in general, as a veteran myself, there's just so many red, like, red stopping, like, things that keep us from going or you get down the, the rabbit hole of phone number onto the next phone number. And, and, you, and it's, sometimes you find yourself back all the way to the number you originally called, you know, and they're like, oh, they didn't help you? No, no, no. Nor did the, the other five person or the person after that or the person after that. It happens so much. So, you know, you guys providing more of a one-stop. That's where I think, you know, a lot of um, veterans themselves fall off the treadmill, and so to speak. You know, it, it becomes like a, a race and, and on a treadmill. And, and they want to see how much they can tire you out before you give up, yeah. you know. But it, it's awesome that you guys are starting to create a space where you eliminate a lot of that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, uh, what deters a lot of veterans and creates, um, you know, suicide rates. You know, cut out the the, the, the crap, so to speak. Yeah, and, and I really found a passion for this and talking to some some non-veterans just about, hey, what do you think is leading to veteran homelessness and veteran suicide? And the words addiction, the words disconnection, they kept popping up. And I realized that people don't really understand where addiction is coming from in veterans. You know, the, the drinking culture in the military is so much higher than in regular work environments that it's just kind of a common thing. You know, you don't go to a, a unit barbecue without somebody showing up with a beer and the handle of vodka or whatever it might be. And so already we're created in this environment right. where more regular than it is in other places, but it's deeper than that. I was working with a veteran. He's now in a retirement home. His name's Bill. He's in his seventies. He struggled with an over 30 year addiction to alcohol. And the reason being is when he got back from Vietnam and the post-traumatic stress set in during the day, he was fine. He was a dad. He was a husband. Family loved him. But at night, when the dreams and the nightmares kicked in, he became violent. There were multiple nights where he woke up choking his wife. Uh, he broke his wife's nose at one point. He woke up to his wife pulling him off of his son, and he was beating his son in his sleep because the, the nightmares were so real for him. So eventually, he took to living on the streets because he felt like he was a danger to his family. And while living on the streets, somebody, another veteran introduced him to alcohol and said, hey, man, I realized that when I drink before bed, I don't have the dreams. And so Bill, he started having two or three beers before he'd go to bed. And the money that he would make on the street, he his first priority after food was, I'm going to get three or four beers. And eventually he felt like he had control of it enough that he moved back home with his family. And anybody that's struggled with an alcohol problem realized, or will learn eventually that two or three eventually doesn't work as well anymore. And that continues to go up. And it, it became an addiction for him, but he knew that. He knew all the signs of it could lead to cancer and it, it causes neurological issues. And um, but just like Jack is saying here in the comments, it was masking his trauma and it led to something so much deeper that he didn't even want to tackle the addiction issue, because if he did, he was scared the dreams would come back and the dreams meant violence to his family. The dreams meant an unlovable person. And so it was deeper than just the addiction. You know, it was what the addiction was masking. I've talked to Marines and Army, Navy, just about everybody that on a deployment, they got injured or even on a ship, you know, they got blown off the ship by a plane and just landed on their back on the ocean and they broke their back. And after surgery, the VA put them on pain pills. And in order to get back to the job and providing for family, they grew a pain pill addiction. And those aren't easy things to break. And so I, right. I've it's not even just pain pills, man. I heard that there's, you know, they're giving out like 16 different meds to some of these guys. I've yep. talked to, you know, an army veteran out there. Uh, I think 16 or so is the, the worst I've heard. Like, and I'm like, damn, what kind of a, a ball of pills is that? <laughs> yep. And so it, it, there's just a lot of misunderstanding in the civilian world of what's really going on in the life of these veterans. And so we're trying to 
to be there, not just to offer the resources, say, hey, we can help you overcome that. We can do this for you. It's we want to be your friend. You know, the military is built off of the idea of brotherhood. I understand there's female veterans too. Brotherhood is all inclusive in that. Um, but we were built to rely on the people to the left and right of us. The over and over again, as a recruiter, I would tell people the Marine Corps is successful because I can trust the Marine to my left and my right. And I know if I'm hurt, they're going to step in even more. They're going to take over. And so we tell people all the time, that's what we do for veterans. You know, a veteran may never choose to, to go any further in our program. They may choose to stay in the situation they're in, and that's fine. I want every veteran out there to know they've got a friend. They've got somebody that truly knows and understands what they're going through, has been there, and they have somebody to call no matter what. And at the end of the day, yes, we want to lead them to, to health care, to housing, to jobs, to whatever. Um, but if I know that somebody's living on the street and they're never even going to think about taking their life because they know they can call me or, or one of the people on our board, that's a success and a victory to me. Absolutely. I love it, man. That's a great thing. I mean, any time that you can create something that we all enjoyed, you know, at one point in time, it, you know, we all, you know, that's the, that's the hard part about it man you all serve as a unit right and you go through all this stuff and you become a i know a lot of my best friends are guys i served with and you know i don't have a lot of my high school friends as much as i do my my military friends and that's because man we all went through some stuff together that, that we can totally relate to and talk about laugh about cry about whatever it may be uh no judgments passed but the hard part about it, man, is is everybody goes home, and some of us don't live around the block from each other. Yeah, you know, I, there's there's some some of these guys. I wish they were my neighbors. You know what I mean? And I could just go hang out with them and chill with them. But it's some of them, man. They're they're clear across the the world. Yeah. Well, country. Well, and yeah, I'm a pastor by day. That's my day job. The organization, we're all volunteers here. You know, every dollar we raise, it goes back to spreading awareness for veterans and getting care for veterans. But I remember having a conversation recently and somebody asked me, you know, there was war in Bible times. How come you never read of warriors in Bible times that struggled with post-traumatic stress? Why is this more of a recent thing, a World War II and beyond? And so we peel back the onion on that a little bit. We talked about what that looked like. You know, if you and I as Marines in Bible times went out to battle, when we came home by Hebrew standard, by Egyptian standard, we were ceremonially unclean. We couldn't actually go into the gates of whatever city we lived in because we were stained by the bloodshed. And so in any of those communities, whatever your religious background was, you had to stay outside the city walls for seven to 10 days before you were considered clean again. So what did men do in those seven to 10 days? They sat around the fire. They hunted together. They talked about what they're going to do when they go home. They talked about what they just experienced. They were there for each other. But you fast forward to the world today, you could be in Afghanistan today and back home with your loved ones tomorrow. And yes, you're going to get asked by the VA's team, the screening team for the, the post-traumatic stress signifiers and all that stuff. But the reality is there's a disconnect because we saw battle, death, decay, hatred yesterday. And today we're expected to jump right back into our wives, our husbands, our kids, and they're not going to understand those things. And so in that conversation, I just pushed it back to its community that's going to change the lives for these veterans. It's, it's veteran brothers and sisters standing in the gap and saying, hey, I overcame this or I'm still struggling with it, but we can do this together. Love it. Let's go and uh, take a look at your uh, website. I'm going to go ahead and add that on and uh, let's talk a little bit about that. So uh, kind of run us through. So about yeah. you guys. So this just kind of talks through, and we've been doing what we do for 18 months to two years, but officially as a 501c3 uh, this year so that we can start raising funds. You know, our biggest hurdle right now is if I meet a veteran today that's in need of housing, a job and transportation, it could take me two to three weeks to get all those things figured out for them because I've got to find an apartment that's affordable. I've got to find a car that's affordable. We couldn't do that if we weren't raising money. So we started some fundraising opportunities to say, hey, where could we have a fundraising inlet where if I meet a veteran that's living on the street, I can afford to put them in a hotel for two or three weeks until I get them connected to this housing development. 
Uh, or I work with some car shops here that they'll take in donor cars and they'll rebuild them. So where can I have a pool of fundraising money that I can afford to do those things for these veterans and provide that vehicle for them? So that's a little bit about how we got to being a 501c3. Uh, this right here is the board of leaders. My wife and I, we co-founded this together. Uh, my wife was a Marine too. We actually met at Joint Base Little Creek at Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, we were both stationed with Mar 4 Pack over in Kaneohe Bay, Hawaii. And so that's where we got married. And we, we've been having this conversation together for three or four years about how to, to move the ball forward on this thing. Shane there, the next guy over for my wife, he's actually an Army vet. At 19, he was driving a Hummer. He had three other soldiers in the vehicle with him. They rolled over an IED. Now, this was old school before we had the IED detectors out front and the rollers and everything. And it blew them 115 feet in the air. Killed two of them instantly. He and his buddy... Uh, it was massive trauma. I mean, when Shane's wife at 19 got the call, they told her, hey, we're getting you a plane ticket to Germany because your husband's not going to make it. And we want you to be there when he gets there. Said he would never walk again, never have kids. Well, Shane, I mean, look at him. He's healthy. He's been rebuilt, but he's gone through all the battles with addiction, post-traumatic stress, you name it. Uh, Jeff next to him is a Navy veteran that He's got an 18-year-old kid now who's looking to go into the military. And for all intents and purposes, Jeff's military career was pretty great. But he was one of those that was such a go-getter. He, he wanted rank. He wanted the opportunity to stay in that he forgot that he had a wife at home sometimes. And he would take the calls late at night when other sailors were hurting or feeling depressed. And although he was putting positive energy into caring for others, uh, it put some tension on his marriage. And so he's a great guy just that's helping veterans talk through what does it look like to restore your marriage? or to keep your marriage when you're going through some of the straight, the, the struggles, the fights. Jason down there on the bottom, he spent some time active army. He just retired from the National Guard about a year ago. Multiple combat deployments, four or five of them over the course of years. Got out as a sergeant major. Uh, he's seen it all. You know, he's experienced wounds himself. He's coached families, young soldiers through their first deployments, through separation anxiety, you name it. And so when the five of us got together and said, hey, we're going to start this organization, we made a couple of commitments. One, we were going to be a veteran led organization because we can't do what we do in the way that I explained it to you guys if we're not veterans serving veterans. And that two, none of us are ever going to take a paycheck for what we do. For us, this is an all volunteer thing. And what we want to do is spend every time available that we have to serve veterans, every dollar we raise to serve veterans. And so there's a few different opportunities that people can support us. You know, you may not be in Tulsa, Oklahoma right now. And if you're not, I encourage you to Google what we do and see if there's an organization in your hometown doing something similar. Because I know in, in certain cities, Kansas City, for instance, there's something very similar to what we're doing there. And if you've got one close to you, man, I want to encourage you to give to to go and serve there to serve as a veteran mentor, because that's what we need to be successful. But it doesn't matter where you're at. We're raising money right now to build these tiny homes I told you about. They're 450 square feet. Doesn't sound like a lot, but man, we can fit one bedroom with all the furnishings, working laundry, uh, locking doors. It's safe and provides all the amenities so that a veteran knows they've got a roof over their head when it's raining, when it's windy. In Oklahoma, uh, we get a 90 mile an hour windstorm once a year that destroys all kinds of stuff. And if you're living under the street, you've got nothing. And so we're raising money right now to build five or six of those. And our goal is at Christmas time, we're going to gift five or six veterans, depending on how much money we can raise with a home. That's all theirs. We're looking for veteran mentors, wow. man, men and women that, that been in the military that have experienced some of that stuff that can say, Hey, I want to stand beside somebody else. You know, I may not physically be there. I may not physically be able to come in and shake their hand, give them a hug, but I want to be a resource. They can call somebody they can text just to share what I'm going through, you know? So that's a little bit of the wave tops of what you're going to find. If you go to our website, it's heroeshope.net. Uh, you can send us an email through there. If you've got questions, my contact info is on there. All of that comes directly to the five veterans on our board. That's outstanding. We, uh, so sending letters. You guys kind of got uh, transportation. Yeah. So I'll tell you about a couple of veterans I'm working with right now. I met an army veteran in North Tulsa last week. His name, he goes by Alaska. Um, he moved down to Tulsa with a girlfriend for a job. And about three months into being in Tulsa, the business he was working for closed down and the girlfriend left him and she owned the car. 
So struggling to find work, eventually he couldn't pay the rent. He took to the streets. He's been on the streets for three or four months. Well, I mean, Alaska, he's he's a strong looking dude. He's in his 60s, but he's obviously healthy. He's not struggling with alcoholism. He's not struggling with drugs. He's just trying to get a foot back up. He doesn't have any family in town. But you can't apply for a job if you don't have transportation to get there. Even if you have a bus pass, if you've been living under a bridge for six weeks and you only own two pairs of clothes and you don't have access to a shower, how are you going to pass a job interview? You know, so there's a lot more to it than just finding them a job. And so with Alaska, we've partnered him up with a ministry that offers free showers, free haircuts, free laundry services. Um, I found a vehicle for him through a, a friend of mine that was donated. And our organization is paying to get the vehicle, all the parts that need to be changed to get it back up to working order so that we can hand him something that works not something that's going to be a financial burden. Uh, we've actually, we've got an apartment locked on for him that the tenant just moved out. We're just waiting for it to be cleaned. And we're going to cover the first 90 days of that for him. Since we don't have our facilities right now, we do have the funds in order to say, hey, we can stand underneath, give you a firm foundation, and then we'll work alongside you to go. So that's where transportation, housing, jobs, all of that stuff kind of meshes together. I love it, man. That's outstanding. You know, and, uh, love to help you spread this word out you know and get get it out to the general masses i have other uh buddies in on different podcasts that i would i'm sure would love to have you on as a guest um as well so that way you keep getting this out brother i mean the more you talk about it the more people know about it and uh you know and like you said there are those types of things available to others in other states you just got to go look and see what it may be called or who you know who runs it Yep. And if there isn't one there now, we're going to be there eventually. That's outstanding. I love it, man. So is there any more you want to talk about Heroes Hope? You know, I would just ask, spread the word, you know, follow us on Facebook. We, we have a newer Facebook page and we're just trying to spread awareness. You know, people, we can't help if people don't know we're there. You know, we can't be the first resource for somebody if we don't know. And veterans are some of the most well-connected nationally of anybody I've ever met. I could post something on Facebook right now about needing a car, and I might find one in Nashville, Tennessee, just because I posted on Facebook and somebody who follows our page sees it, knows somebody, and there's opportunities that every veteran or every nonprofit listening to you and I have this conversation right now, you may help a veteran in need in a city and state a thousand miles from you simply because of a Facebook post. And so somebody may never donate a dollar to Heroes Hope, but you may offer something that a veteran definitely needs simply because you stay connected. So uh, follow us on Facebook, you know, like and share, ask questions. If you know of a veteran that they may have a house, they may have a family, but they're battling with depression, they're battling with some deep anxiety, uh, they're battling with post-traumatic stress, just because I live in Tulsa, I can't call them, you know. Um, and maybe you've tried, they might, sometimes when it's your family, it's a close friend, it's a little bit harder because you've already got a relationship with them and, and it's hard to be vulnerable with somebody that you knew before things happened, but man, we're willing to call people wherever, you know, yeah, there's, there's only five of us in the organization and a handful of volunteers right now, but I'm going to end up meeting some of you, getting to know you, you're going to end up being veteran mentors and, and together we're going to call, we're going to be that resource and and the, the 22 a day thing has been the same number for far too long. And the programs, right. the phone, the, the crisis lines and stuff you can call, they're a great resource, but that alone isn't working. And so you and me, every veteran on this, this call right now, we can be the ones to put an end to that. So, and like I said before, you may not be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and that's great, but you can be helping other veteran brothers and sisters just by liking, sharing, staying connected with what we're doing. And then and through Facebook, through email, whatever, if there is a vet you want us to reach out to, let us know. And if we maybe don't know somebody here that can, like I said, veterans are connected. Our board, we've been stationed all over. We might have a friend in your hometown that we work alongside that could reach out to. So, yeah. And I mean, if there's somebody listening right now, you've got questions, drop them in the chat. I'd love to answer them, talk about anything. I mean, I get the myriad of questions of how do you do it? How do you work with somebody? So I guess I can kind of explain that, you know, it, it's, it's easy yeah, to say we provide these, these things, but it's a process, right? There's a book, great book out there called when helping hurts. And these two gentlemen got together and they said, man, churches exist all over the world. Nonprofit organizations exist all over the world that are giving out money. They're giving out food. They're giving out coats. 
but people are still homeless. People are still hungry. What's what's the problem? And what they realized is, is what we were doing is offering relief. When I feed somebody, I may be relieving the hunger, but it's that old school mindset. Teach a man to fish. You feed him for a lifetime. And so they just drove this point home of nonprofits, churches, individuals. We have to be doing more than just providing money, providing food, providing coats. And that is we have to be leading people towards the next best version of themselves. And so the goal with these homes we're building and even what we do right now, we know it's going to be six months to a year. We know those that are battling with addiction, they're going to go into treatment one, two, three times. You know, it's not going to be the first conversation that fixes it. And so kind of what our program looks like is if I meet a vet right now, I'm getting to know them. I'm getting to know their family. I'm getting to hear their story of how they got there. I'm sharing my story. I'm building that rapport, as we call it on recruiting duty, building that relationship. But what I'm really trying to learn is what do they need? You know, obviously, if they're living on the street, they don't have a home. They don't have a car. They're scrounging to find food. They probably only have a couple of pairs of clothes. Those are immediate needs that I could meet. But what is going to provide that long term? You know, a, a job could be great, but a veteran that's got a pain implant in their back and a knee replacement probably can't work construction, probably can't stand at a cash register for eight or nine hours. You know, and if they're already getting VA disability and that's not enough money to keep their head above water, then there's something else they really need. And that doesn't work overnight. You know, that is hours of phone calls and conversations and helping the veteran to realize that, man, what you enjoy doing, you may not be able to do, but there's something similar. You know, you can sit down and be a carpenter. You don't have to be on your feet the whole time. And so our goal is within six months to a year, we've provided those basic needs that we talk about on our website, the things that, that we can identify, the tangible needs. But the reality is we've created meaningful relationships in the veteran's life, and we've helped build a firm foundation that if we all disappeared tomorrow, or if this veteran uh, ended up never having a phone ever again, you know, they've got the sustainability in their life to know they've got a safe place to live. They've got a car that, yeah, you're going to have to change the oil. The fuel pump's going to go out every once in a while, but man, they can get anywhere to see their family for work, whatever it might be. And providing those, those intangible things on the back end to make sure that no matter how long they're in town, no matter how long they're doing whatever they're doing, we didn't just provide a sandwich and pray for them. You know, we provided a means to feed themselves, their family. We provided an opportunity for them to know when they're having a rough day, where they can pour that out, who they can talk to, who they can call. It's not just some random person at the crisis hotline that is passionate about them. But man, it's Sean, the Marine veteran that I spent six months getting to know that shared his story and his struggles. And I know that when I call Sean, he's going to hear me out for reals. He may not be able to give me advice, but he's listening with the heart of true care. So that's that's kind of how our process works. It's not an overnight thing. And I tell the veterans I work with all the time, keep your chin up, man. Stay in the fight, you know, because you may have been on deployment for eight months and the third month sucked and it felt like it was going to be forever. But eventually you went home. And, and that's what I tell them, too. If I can't get you a house today, man, I'm going to continue to find the food. I'm going to continue to work at these things and we're going to find you a place. But let us work alongside you. So it's for anybody that's wondering what that might look like. It's kind of how our program, if you want to call it, works. That's outstanding. I mean, you know, man, when times are rough, it's it's always nice to have a ledge, you know, to go instead of a, a slide. You know what I mean? And something you can grab on a, instead of slippery, keep going down that damn slide. So it's great, man. You're one of those ledges, you know, and gives them an opportunity, you know. And, and it's, it's important that, you know, we, we build our – foundations and keep our foundations as strong as we can you know once they get rumbled and tumbled things can you know you hit that rock rock bottom you know and uh, sometimes you need that ledge to help you out of it yeah and, and that's what you know and we all we all shoot man when we all served when you know next to one of each other we we had each other's backs all the time and shouldn't be any different now today you know i know we can't sometimes be right next to each other but Man, this is beautiful now that nowadays with technology, we can even just have these web talks and, and talk to someone, you know, and face to have a face to face and hear their voice and see them and see that they're OK type stuff. Um, but, thing. hey, you know, man, there's there's a lot of great groups out there that I'll be definitely trying to connect you with. Um, one in particular is our buddy Jason Steiner over at Hero Stock, who. Uh, I mean, what he does is he throws a big uh, thing with uh, veteran artists. It's music. 
It's, uh, you know, they do cornhole tournaments. It's a great camaraderie. And then he has booths with a whole bunch of nonprofits. And it's just a big veteran thing. It's up in uh, Nebraska. And uh, September 9th, if you can make it out that way, you should, should definitely consider going out there. It's going to be one hell of a I'm, – I'm, I'm going all the way out from California to go Heck to yeah. the – so uh, it's going to be a damn – one of those events that everybody's going to want to be a part of. Uh, and it's something to be excited, but uh, definitely going to put you in touch with them. Um, but before we get into kind of the next segment, we're going to, if anybody out there has any questions for Sean, go ahead and queue those up. Um, and then we're going to go ahead and check out one quick uh, video of uh, Marine, as since we got a Marine on. This is Scotty Frazier. And uh, we're going to listen to some Scotty Frazier. And then when we come back, we're going to go over some hypothetical questions. And if anybody wants to join in, let me know, and I'll uh, send you the link, and we'll uh, get on to some hypothetical questions. And like I said, if you have any questions for Sean, get them queued up, and uh, we'll ask him when we come back. All right, for now, let's go ahead and check out some Scotty Fraser. Yeah. 
some Scotty Frazier, red, white, and blue. I have the opportunity of playing him on Gun Room Radio. You guys don't know what Gun Room Radio is. It is a veteran uh, musician uh, station. That's all we play is just veteran musicians or family members of veterans. Uh, so, Like Scotty, he's a Marine. Uh, we play a lot of people uh, with great music. And uh, we do have a special guest here today with us, another one uh, besides Sean. We got my buddy Derek from Shadow Mark Podcasts, which certainly let me fix this uh, layout here. <laughs> it's going to be better. Let me see here. Um, I'm going to have to get rid of, hold on, let me We've see. we got like 26 of those things, man. We'll figure right. it out. I like it right there. Just keep my face blurred. I like that. Let me uh, get rid of this hide. <laughs> there we go. Oh, there he is. Can't go without seeing that cute face. Oh, uh, thanks, Derek man. is also a Marine. He is another one of our brothers, and uh, he's another veteran musician who also is a DJ on Gun Room Radio. Uh, but I'm glad he he is uh, always welcome and always joins us and loves to be a part of the hypotheticals. Yeah, I really what want up, to Derek? join in. If I have to jump off randomly, it's because my kids are calling. So if I just disappear, that's why. Yeah, man, what's up? Do you, do you got any uh, questions for Sean or uh, you want to just get into the hypotheticals or how's your day going? Well, let's go into the hypotheticals. I'd love to talk with Sean some more for sure uh, at some point, but um yeah, I'm excited about the hypotheticals. Let's dive into it. It's your show, man. Oh, no, nah, man. Let's go ahead and uh, knock out some hypotheticals. This one is actually, it's funny. I pulled this out again. This one came from my wife. So I took on, here's the thing. If you guys would like some hypothetical questions right here at Wednesdays, please send them in to me. Message me. I would love to read them here. And Yeah, I, I kind of put your name. Uh, this one's from my wife. Um, if you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? All right, Sean, since you're our guest here, uh, first time, man, what what food would yours be? Guilty pleasure of mine is uh, tater tot casserole or tater tot hot dish if you're from up north. It's uh, basically just cream of mushroom soup, you know, the casserole base, uh, cheese, meat, and tater tots. It's delicious. It hurts, but I love it. You can't go wrong, man. That's meat and potatoes. That's just that's it. <laughs> well, those are picks. Good, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. I, I like that. All right, Derek. What would you? Uh, what food would oh, you? Man, do? I I think I'd have to do steak, man. I just mm. can't go wrong with a good steak. And if you know, if I could just eat steak every day, yeah, I'd be broke. But yeah, I could do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of a foodie guy, you know, so I love some good food so i mean picking one for the rest of your life that you gotta eat now i i I, now i will think i I think i would go with probably pizza because you know you can eat that cold you know i think i i would go with some pizza i love me some cold pizza i love me some heated pizza i i go with pizza yeah and you can make all sorts of types of pizza man yeah and i think the the marine corps made me love cold pizza oh hell yeah you can before (laughs) <laughs> i can't say anything i the love a lot more things you know what i mean it has that effect on people. like those hamburger yeah. patty mres i hated scrambled eggs and hard-boiled eggs so i went to boot camp and i was just so hungry i was like i'll eat whatever you give me <laughs> <laughs> well I, I started loving hard-boiled eggs <laughs> they, i was uh yeah diary food man fools would be like you can't eat the yolk of it you know, eat half of this. I'm just like, gosh, dang it. No, if you guys, make sure you uh, go into there into, you know, I, there are more Marines than me that know the secret, but what's going on? Uh, Welcome in. Was it? There's a side of the chow hall at San Diego that the drill instructors go to and it's got ice cream. It and sure a, does. Couple of, a couple of times I went in there to get chow for those that were on bed rest, like wisdom TV ain't got or whatever. And I'd wait till the drone strikers weren't looking, and like grab a cup of milk and put some ice cream in it, and just pound it real quick, and then skadoodle out of there. <laughs> you just gotta work the system, man. Work yeah, that system. Nice. <laughs> you sure do. 
You gotta know. I don't think there's any time that they're not. There's a will, there's a way. That's true. You know. Man, I tell you, the dudes, I feel like they have uh, eyes on the side of their face and the back of their heads. They can hear you scratch. I mean, I, I don't know. Drone instructors well, seem to have that superhuman strength sometimes. You could be in the middle cool. of the desert. Think about it. Dudes go, like, no one miles nine around. I heard. see it. Yeah, I always felt like I was on an episode of Punked because it didn't matter what I did, they knew about it. You know, they had cameras or something everywhere. I always wondered about. Yeah, right. I just, it, I never knew. Yeah, dude. Like, uh, I remember my Black Friday, my Black Friday experience was, you know, the drone instructors come in and they're just losing their shit. Well, I thought everybody, you know, we're finally online and they're just kind of making the rounds, chewing people's ass. Well, they were way down, way down, and they were so up in this dude's ass. I was just like, ah, oh, you know, they're never gonna. You know, I had the like major itch on the side of my face that wasn't even facing towards me, bro. I, I I think in my peripherals, I'm like, I got an opportunity. I just go like this as quick as could be, and all of a sudden, I mean, in my peripherals, I could see the snap pop in their freaking neck, and I'm just like, oh no, did they see me? And then fools came running over there, and the one guy snatched me up by my ear and brought me in the middle of the squad base. You ever do that again, I will tear off your ear and shit down your throat. I'm like, oh, man, all right. <laughs> and then uh, just threw me back in my way. I was like, well, I guess this is uh, uh, welcome to boot camp. I, I got snapped I up real quick. <laughs> I think it's funny. A Marine just asked two other Marines about food, and we start telling boot camp stories. That's just – Every time, man. That's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, dude. Girl nut. Yeah, you know, we just <laughs> all right. So hey, let's go ahead and get into some more hypotheticals. Go into the good old uh cover. And this is the old school cover. And, and this is back in the day when we had to uh you know spit shine our boots and iron our camis and Start make them everything. starched with you know, make them yeah, starched so they're about as hard as a I don't think, uh, Derek, you know anything about that, huh? Because you've got the nice pressed <laughs> ones already. Have to starch them. They were already All pressed. Right. Is there anything in anything your life? This one comes from the web, by the way. Is there anything in your life that makes you feel more alive than anything else? We'll go with Derek on that one first. I think you know my answer, man. Music. I mean... I got to listen to a room full of people sing my song the other day, man. And uh, I, I've never been so blessed and so happy about something in my life. I'd have to go with music, yeah, too. I could see you uh, at Hero. Yeah, I know. I, I hate to kind of, but I, I'm kind of the same way. I feel like uh, there's so much that music does to the soul. It's a good way to start things. I mean, even like when I played football, I'd just, you know, get on some real crazy shit. Or if I was over, you know, in the Middle East, kind of in my little lonesome time, putting on some moldies but goodies, you know, and just it always sets the mood. You know, I, I think it's a good mood setter. It's good for the psych. I'm, I'm going to go with music as well. So well I, I think that's a, a it's an explanation easy for it, I think. Uh, I saw somewhere that our bodies are basically held together by a rhythm. It's just the molecules and everything being held together by a rhythm. So I think we're naturally attuned to music because we we're basically just a walking song. I mean, that's really all we are is just a system of rhythms holding us together. So mm -hmm. how can we not connect with something that that's all it is? That's good, man. Yeah. I love music. And I mean, I know you, man. You definitely sing from the heart and, uh, you know, Always. doing damn good things with it as well. Uh, I'm glad to keep on going and keep putting out some good stuff, bro. All right, let's go ahead and get on to some more. We got tons. This one, it looks like another one from the internet. What do you want your tombstone to say? Sean, <laughs> all right. So I got to explain this plan. What would your your sense say? I already got. I, I got to explain this before okay. I say it. Anytime somebody leaves like a job or goes to another location, I always make the joke: "You're dead to me." 
And I make that joke because, you know, in the military, people come and go so often. <laughs> We're getting moved every few years. Like I could get a call from somebody I haven't seen in eight years and I'll talk to them, but I don't need to talk to them every day to stay connected. Right. So I've had a longstanding joke that at my funeral, there's going to be one speaker. They're going to come up. They're going to say, Sean, you're dead to me. And then the funeral's over. So that's probably what my headstone would say. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> I like it. All right. I don't even, you know, I don't even um, know I what think, Mike uh, say. So, Brian, you're up. <laughs> well, let's see what think about it here. I'll go ahead and go up. Yeah, you think a little longer. I think I would like to mind to say is um, don't let the day kick your ass. Make sure you're kicking the day's ass. That's like one of my biggest things. And I think that's what I would want it to say is just, you know, don't let don't let the don't let life kick your ass, man. You got to make sure you're out there kicking its butt, you know. Absolutely. And I love that, man. I always appreciate it when you right. tell us that. What about you, Derek? I think mine's probably going to say he should have made better decisions. <laughs> I think that's what it's probably going to say, man. <laughs> you know? Nah, man. That's not going to be the defining thing of Derek, bro. Goodness <laughs> gracious. That's such an end story. Okay. <laughs> They're just going to be, uh, you know, because it's going to be something stupid you, that man. kills me, man. <laughs> I promise you, you better be wearing a dang on uh, cup when I'm around you, bro, because I will kick you in your nuts for, uh, <laughs> you know, always beating yourself up. Sheesh, well, somebody's bro. got to, man. <laughs> yeah, you do a good job at yourself, man. But you, uh, yeah, I did a pretty good job. I was an hour late for work thing. this morning. I felt like such a turd, dude. Yeah, but you can't be charged oh, for it, bro. You know? you... Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a good, nice little UA or, you know, probably a restriction or who <laughs> <Yeah>. knows. <laughs> I was never late. Get over Marine Corps has some games. <laughs> hey, dude, skater, man. My, my, man, I tell you what, my platoons were really serious about that. If you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. They were serious as shit about that. 15 prior, we'll hold you 15 prior, if you man. were 15 minutes early, you were pretty much late to them. And, and they'd be like, you would be that one guy showing up to freaking formation. If you were like 13 minutes, you know, and you're like, gosh, damn, you overachieving, mother. Y'all get it to follow us. You come within five minutes, man, ain't going to say nothing. You guys are making me look bad here. <laughs> you guys probably would have so beat me. Uh, all right, we got probably time for guys. one more. Hold the line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, we got time probably for one more hypothetical, and then uh, we'll just basically give uh, Sean your last words of anything you want to say. But here we go with uh, this is an easy one from the internet. Are you a dog person or a cat person? Mm. Dog, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I already know Derek. Yeah, I Derek got his dog. If I yeah, if I uh, didn't have dogs, I'd lose my mind. Big old beast. We don't, we don't use yeah. military. I'm cats. a dog person as well. <laughs> nah, man. Nah. You know what? It's funny actually. Uh, scratch me up. A quick story, real quick, is uh, when I was over in the Middle East uh, in early 2003, we were in Kuwait and uh, came up on a puppy. And uh, we named him Scud, you know, but uh, it was the coolest little thing, man. I swear. Brian Gibson, welcome on. Welcome in. Welcome in. Hello from Project Love Die Hard. Still in the fight of veterans' life. All right. Welcome in, Brian. Love that. Man, we, had, All right, we, Sean, did, we well, did have cats, though. Uh, I appreciate you, man, coming on. Is there any? Yeah, cat. Oh, we, yeah. we had cats in Afghanistan. We had a muscle milk and, and pre-workout. Yeah, those cats are what I I threw oh, so that the dogs would man, deal with. Man, these are cats over there, huh? <laughs> We're trying to yoke them up, man. <laughs> so, yeah, no, thanks. definitely doing that. Well, hey, Derek, I appreciate you joining us, man. Um, and you're always welcome on here, brother. And, and uh, I'll see you probably next Wacky Wednesday. But uh, Every time, thanks again man. for joining us, brother. 
Nope. Thanks for having me. Good to meet you, Sean. Oh, yeah. See you later. Have a great Bye. show, man. Great show. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you, man. Oh, all right. So, Sean, there's uh, us two now. So, uh, before we head off, man, any uh, last words you want to say to anybody? Any uh, last words of wisdom or anything? And I would just say, you know, we say it all the time, pick up the phone before you make a bad decision, but it really can be the difference, you know, and uh, I've been in those deep depressive days before where it feels like tomorrow is not even think, something to think about, but I so much appreciate the other brothers and sisters that stood in the gap for me. And so if anybody on here is struggling, man, you can reach out, you know, Facebook, email, heck, I'll even give you my cell phone number if you need it, because one conversation can change somebody's life. And that's true for every veteran we work with. That's true for every veteran on this call. That's true for every veteran and veteran family member that any of us on this station right now are going to come in contact with. And so, you know, it, in the Marine Corps, we call it never leave a Marine behind. You know, you're told all the time, the warning signs and the things and the people to call, but I'm going to get to you faster on my phone than 911 is. And so just, just keep that in mind. You know, and keep heroes hope on the forefront. You know, anytime you meet a veteran, anytime you think about veterans, anytime you want to know what's going on in the veteran world, heroes hope is here to tell the story of those vets and share the changes or the life change stories that are coming out of what we're getting to do. Well, man, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on, Sean. And um, everybody, make sure you go out there, check out Heroes Hope and spread the word. And also, buddy, we'll be putting you in touch with other people to get your word out there. I think it's important and uh, veterans help veterans. And that's a big thing in our community. I'm a big uh, believer in that. Uh, no matter what our mission is, whether it be the same mission, we are, we got to be there for each other. You know what that's I mean? Right. And it doesn't matter what branch you are. It doesn't matter uh, how you served. The, the biggest thing is, 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 is keeping us all together, keeping us, you know, down that path. And, uh, when we see a brother down or a sister down, we pick their ass up and we say, let's, let's, let's move. We're moving forward. That's right. You know what I mean? And, uh, oh yeah, brother. And it's, you know, it's good to have the Marines leading the way and, uh, doing great things, brother. And you just tack that damn hill. That's what we do, right? right? That's what we do. <laughs> but, uh, Hey man, like I said, once again, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, we'll uh, see you again, man. Yes, sir. Thanks again. Talk to you later, Brian. All right, brother. All right, friends and family. Well, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you that uh, showed up and uh, made a comment. We're part of the show. I would like to say uh, thank you to Mr. Donald Dunn, Square Table Degenerates. That's my boy, Joey, Hero Stock, Mr. Steiner, Jack Blaze, Alec Gage, uh who else we got valve brian gibson i want to say thank you all for tuning in saying hello giving us a, a little bit of input i will see you guys next wednesday on another wacky wednesday and for another great time i hope you guys are having an amazing day and remember don't let the day kick your ass make sure you're out there kicking its ass Urgh.